Hour two of Miller and Moulton. John Perry, the rules analyst on Monday Night Football. He was the referee of two Super Bowls. He will join us in a little over 30 minutes' time. Bryant McKinney, who played and won the Super Bowl, will join us in our next hour. Super Bowl 58. You getting excited? This is it. Come on now. Last game for what? Six and a half months. That's if you're counting the end of August in college football. Although, isn't week one this year like August 31st? I think of the college football season. I think it, I think the season, the season season, not the whole week zero gotcha. garbage, but the season season, I think starts August 31st. Labor Day's early this year, and they just, you know, can't wait. Got to got to get it going. So I think, I don't know, you know, the whole the Brazil announcement, I'm, I'm having to, because I really think ABC ESPN is going to get that game. And so I'm, I'm just looking at flights already and schedules and dates and trying to figure out, you know, can I, can I get there without missing a show? If I'm going to miss a You're show, You're going to miss a show. What day am I going to miss it? You're no. missing. You're probably missing the NFL opening day Thursday. Would be my guess. No, 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 no. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No. If I'm missing it, I'll miss Wednesday. I'll go early, early. Okay. No, no, no. See, I figure I got one flight on Air Aikman. Either going, you know, coming or going. Okay. I figure I got one seat. Okay. I'd rather, you know, I need to get there. I got time to get back. The game's Friday night. I mean, I'm not going to be able to do the Saturday game with Gary if we if we get it. So I don't have anything again till the show on Monday. I mean, I got 48 hours to get from Brazil to a hotel room somewhere to do this. That show. will uh, that'll put a hitch in the giddy up. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, you don't have to do the thing with Gary. You'd rather, but Joe's two spotters they work Saturdays as well. I mean, that in they don't like yeah. to miss work. Well, they're going to miss Saturday. Here's the thing, though. They work for Adam Amin on Sundays for Fox. Ed does the stats and Bill's his spotter. So they, you know, they have to be somewhere for potentially 1 o'clock on Sunday. So that's why I'm thinking I'm going to have to give up my seat that I can be on Air Aikman going to Brazil. But I'm probably going to have to be a team player and, you know, do a couple of flights on American or United to get back to the States. But I think that's why I know that the season starts August 31st. Cause I'm already looking at dates games. What games, you know, what game am I going to miss? So I got excited yesterday. I finished playing golf and I play at the same place every day and went up to the bar after to settle up with the, the group that I play with. And on the bar outside, one gentleman is in charge of the boards where I play. You know, he's got, four different boards and they right. were all on display. Nice. Then I went up and looked at my numbers and then I wasn't nearly as excited about the Super Bowl as I was prior to seeing those boards. You know, it's funny when the Super Bowls were lousy, you you remember way back in the eighties when the Super Bowls were lousy, you didn't mind having the crazy, square numbers 
because the games were blowouts. I mean, you know, we had some scores that were, you know, I mean, you know, nines and, you know, we're in play, twos were in play, nines were in play. I mean, you know, we had some crazy scores. But, you know, now the game's a lot better now. The game's a lot more normal now. You know, Super Bowls have been, you know, the Kansas City-Tampa Bay game was the aberration, 31-9. to I mean, think about the run of Super Bowls we've had here. We've had good games. Absolutely. The only thing that gives you a shot is that now teams are going for two. They're doing, a, you know, th- that does throw a few more numbers into the mix. Yeah, that's true. By the way, uh, would you bet that there's going to be a safety in the game? I sure hope so. I need some twos and nines. I need those numbers happening. <laughs> I need chaos, David. Hey, what was it? Colts, Broncos last year was the final score was 12 to nine. Russ versus Matt Ryan. Wow, he went like week four on a Thursday night. That's when Al first. That's when Al first got grumpy on us. That's when Al realized, "Wow, I'm not doing the games on NBC anymore. These suck." <laughs> and it was that game went to overtime and still finished right. twelve nine. Right. That's because that great Denver coach blew another one. And you know, I hope for the sake of America and football fans everywhere that that's not the final score of the Super Bowl. But there's precedent. Hey, listen, the Patriot the. Their last Super Bowl win, that Patriots-Rams game, that was 3-3, I think, deep into the third quarter. Might have been 3-3 going to the fourth. I mean, Is that the 13-3 final? Yeah. Yeah, that was a... Because remember the Rams kicker? Oh, no, no, David. I I remember because if he would have made that kick and the game would have ended that way... I had that number on a board and would have made about $8,000. No joke. That was a, you know, it was, it was pay each score. And whoever had the last score got what was left. And that's one of those times in which, and, and I know the NFL really doesn't want the broadcasters talking about any of the lines and what have you. But if you remember that Super Bowl, what was it? Five years ago, it was the 2018 season. And it's 13-3 Patriots. They're going to win. Final seconds. Rams need, you know, a score of some kind to get to the onside kick. And they decide they're going to send out their kicker for like a 43-yarder. Greg Zerline. <laughs> David, Greg Zerline. Greg, Greg the leg. The leg. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tremendous kicker. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'd kick him right in the ding-ding if I saw him. He's going to he's gonna kick the field goal, and then they're going to line up for the onside kick down 13-6. Mm-hmm. Only he missed the field goal. Right. So, but that's one of those times in which I remember thinking, oh, come on, Nance. You got to bring this up. This this is a big kick. Nationally, this is a big kick. There's a lot of money riding on this kick. I mean, you think about it. That's got to be, what, a couple hundred million dollar kick with all the squares? Oh, yeah. And that was five years ago. A lot of the bets were still illegal five years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Now I'm starting the first time. Woke up this morning. I was fired up for the game. First time. And I'm very torn because I already pit, 
against Mahomes once, and that came back to bite me because I didn't think the Ravens would only hand the ball off six times to running backs. And I know the Niners are going to give McCaffrey more than six carries. But here's the other thing, Mark. The stories are actually better if the Niners win. And and I'm big on the stories. I'm big on the, the Hollywood NFL films. Where's Facenda's Terry Callis's voice underneath? The Brock Purdy story would be Kurt Warner story, Brock Purdy story. I'd go Warner. I'd go Warner. You know, undrafted, Europe, bagging groceries in Iowa, the whole deal. Right. But come on, this is t- this would be a top three Super Bowl story, wouldn't it? Um, I, You know, you're better at that than I am. It would be a tremendous story. It really would. But don't forget, Mahomes getting his third would be a tremendous story as well. Oh, people are already saying if he gets it. I will say, and you and I don't do this, because this is like sports radio clickbait. But someone last week nationally said, okay, if you had the first overall pick of all the players who have ever played in the NFL, who would you pick with number one? And he was getting at, would you pick Mahomes? We all know everybody that he's getting picked over. We know, you know, you want to go running backs, you're going over Jim Brown, and, you know, we know. Wide receivers, look how big they are in the game. Jerry Rice, we got it. And never mind the other quarterbacks. But he was just saying, literally, however, where there's like, what, 19, 20,000 people who played in the NFL, something like that, okay, that, you know, you can pick number one. Who would you take? Patrick Mahomes is on the short, short list there, David. Short, short list. Yes. What if you had to pick a non-quarterback? No, well, but why would you do that? Well, I'm just, I'm just saying for the sake of conversation. Why would you do that? Well, be, okay, I guess I'm, I'm talking. Not, there's not a rule, by the way. You have the first pick of the draft. Can't draft this position. I'm just talking through the process because if it's, if it's pretty much quarterback only, then I wouldn't take anyone before Mahomes. Now, remember, we're playing with 2023 and beyond rules. I mean. I could argue, and somebody mentioned it in our Twitch chat room, I have no idea how Dan Marino would be stopped today. No idea at all. No one has ever thrown a ball better than Dan Marino. Ever. Ever. Patrick Mahomes throws it nearly as well. And he has mobility. And he has mobility. But Marino's got those isotoner gloves. You're you're right. They don't make him any faster. <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at here. Yeah, I know exactly what you're getting at. So historically, we're watching perhaps, 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 
Perhaps. The greatest quarterback to have ever played the game, which makes him the greatest player to have ever played the game with the importance on that position. So, you know, can you really pick against him? It's been eating at me for nine days now, David. I don't think you can. Because there's a part of me that thinks the sports gods, you know, Give Kyle Shanahan his ring. Boy, it would be amazing if Purdy's the one going to Disneyland or Disney World. You know, I don't know, Mark. I'm I'm getting sucked in. I am getting sucked in. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. 21 minutes past the hour. John Perry, the rules analyst on Monday Night Football. He officiated in three Super Bowls, was the referee in two of those three. He will join us in a little more than 15 minutes' time. I think he's listening. I don't know if I woke him up or not. I sent him a text that said, good morning, sunshine. Don't know if, don't know if that was the right approach to bring a guest onto the show at this hour, but that's what I went with. So, good morning, sunshine, huh? Good morning, sunshine. Right. You know, that's how we'd talk to one another in the booth. You know, but it's been about three weeks, so you know, I don't know if that. You know, we're, we're still talking to one another that way. Gotcha. Right you know, so, I was uh, thinking about how times have changed around this place. I mentioned earlier in the show that this studio is falling apart before our eyes. Right. And because of the leak or drip or whatever there's another show that uses this studio for locally in the afternoons and i noticed on monday that there was a candle in here and a lighter and i you know i i don't i don't you know me david i try not to touch anything in here i try to use the area that i'm at i I move a chair over by me for my it's my my table during the show and i try to get out of here and leave the place exactly like i left it but i do laugh that you know because you used to work in this studio things back in the day, had a tendency to disappear from any part of this building that wasn't locked. Absolutely. And the fact that there's been a cigarette lighter sitting here for over a week and no one's stolen it tells me just how times have changed in this building. Man, now a pen can't make it a week, okay? If you'd put a a pen, any kind of pen, cheap one, nice one, it wouldn't make it through the shift. But a Bic lighter's been sitting here for over a week, and that thing wouldn't have lasted 20 minutes 15 years ago. No. Times have changed. They have changed. No play of the day today. Not because we didn't want to. It's because the equipment doesn't work. Yep, the eight track is busted. It's not Molly Maid's fault. No. No. I mean, they're still sponsor of the play of the day. If we had one, it would be brought to you by Molly Maid. 239-774-5839. I've got a Molly made question of the day for David that he, I asked Mark. He does have, and he, you kind of jumped him there when he said, what if it was a non-quarterback? And you got all over Trent. And that's okay. Whoa. because Whoa. Uh, 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 <laughs> Just hold on over there. There's a very specific angle we want to take with this. So if you could just allow Trent to have the Molly made question of the day. We still don't have a damn poll question up, and it's nearly 7.30. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. 
man, we're really dropping the ball today. But I do like this question. So, Trent, go ahead. If you were to take a non-quarterback, number one overall in our hypothetical question from last segment, how many guys, if any, would go before Lawrence Taylor? I think because the game has changed so much, quite a few. Really? Yeah. I would take him number one. I never got to see him play, but I would take the wrecker, the defensive lineman flying off the edge, the best defensive lineman ever. I'd take him. I think because the game has changed so much that he wouldn't go as high as he is regarded on, like, the all-time players list. Because when they do those all-time lists, LT is in the top five every time. And I don't know that he would go in the top five of an all-time draft because of how the game is played today. Could be wrong. And, I mean, obviously, I grew up a Giants fan. I mean, you know, it's Lawrence Taylor is the greatest player of all my favorite teams that I've, you know, ever saw. Amazing. I mean, Where do you think they would take the quarterbacks out of it then? Where do you think? Well, to be honest, where would Jim Brown go? Well, with, I, I, with, I, with how we use and think of running backs now, where would Jim Brown go? Because most people, if you take quarterbacks out of the equation, in fact, a lot of people say keep the quarterbacks in the equation, that the two best players in the history of the league are Jim Brown and Lawrence Taylor. Right. A lot of people that feel that way. But with the way the game is being played now, you know, like someone in the Twitch chat room said somebody that, like, to me, with the way the game is played now, do you take Randy Moss over Jerry Rice? Yes. I think you might take a is the big receiver. Is now more or less? Way less, I think. Way less? A lockdown corner, yeah. I mean, he's the greatest ever. I'm Takes just... half the field away still in Correct. a game where we throw it all the time. But I, I'm, and I'm... teams can't play man. I think the pass rush is so much more important. That's just my preference. Well, no, 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 no. I, I think we'd all agree that the pass rush is more important. However, I mean, that is the shutdown corner. I mean, Darrell Revis goes, yeah, Dion's the best cornerback of all time. So, think about the wide receivers today that we say are uncoverable. And you've got the one guy who can cover them. I mean, and Trent, you may be right. But I'll bet you if, you know, we're doing this imaginary draft that, I mean, where did Dion go, like fifth? In the draft that he was taken? Yeah, fifth overall to Atlanta. Now, of course, it was, you know, he was the fourth Hall of Famer, I think, taken to the top five that draft. But, like, I think Dion would go in the top five of the all-time draft. That that I actually think his value would be greater today than it was when he played. So it sounds like David's up. clear answer here is he would take Dion. If, if it had to be a non-quarterback, he'd pick Dion. No, I would take a wide receiver. I really would. I, Who? I might take Moss. Now, I hope I'm getting Vikings Patriots Moss, not Raiders Moss. I, I would. I mean, I'd have to talk to him and go, so, Randy, who am I getting here? 
Because like of the big receiver is such a valuable weapon because he can eliminate, right. you know, a big receiver can eliminate a shutdown corner because he can win all the one-on-one balls. I mean, Randy Moss was six four and a half and ran as fast as Dion. Now, I've I've never seen an offensive weapon like Moss. So I, I now also I love my diva wide receivers. So I you know, I probably shouldn't be making this pick. But if you're taking quarterback off the table, whoo wee. Mm, mm, mm. Hard for David not to pick a diva wide receiver. As much as you like defense, you yep. like a diva even more. But it is interesting, you know, we the way we view like for instance, Micah Parsons. And you know, people putting Micah Parsons in the same sentence as Lawrence Taylor was is laughable. But, you know, Micah Parsons, they're pretty tremendous force. Yeah, they, they scored how many points? against Micah and the Cowboys in the playoff game. I mean, the game's just different now. And they get rid of the ball more quickly now. You know, that's what I'm wondering. Will you be able to scheme? I mean, LT got there as arguably as fast as anybody. You know, would a Reggie White be an even bigger force today than he was when he played? (laughs) He was a hell of a force when he played because he's in most everybody's top five of all-time great players. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. If we're taking quarterback off the board, Jim, like here, Jim Brown. In today's let's just, game? Let's just say you think Jim Brown is the greatest player of all time. And I'm fine with you if you say that. I can make that argument. In fact, I have made that argument. I'll tell you what, when I start sliding him over in the slot, and you got to cover Jim Brown. I mean, because everybody, everybody just thinks of him as a runner. We know what an athlete he was. He was arguably the best lacrosse player that ever played. So I'm pretty sure that if I wanted to send Jim Brown out for a screen pass, he's going to catch it. Yeah. And by the way, tackle that. And they don't tackle now, period. I mean, you know, Jim Brown is basically Derrick Henry. That's how big Jim Brown was when he played. John Perry, referee two Super Bowls. He's next. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Thrilled to be joined once again by John Perry. He is the rules analyst for ABC ESPN's Monday Night Football. Before that, he was an NFL official for nearly 20 years. For that, Mark, by the way, he did high school basketball games in Indiana. He's got stories about those seven, eight, nine, ten thousand people at high school games that that make uh, you know Super Bowl seem like you know a walk in the park. John's kind enough to join us. Good morning. How you been? Good morning, sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) I deserve that. I deserve that. By the way, Mark had a question. He wanted to know, since you're spending half the year in Florida now, the other half in Ohio, you know, golf or fishing? And I said, well, he plays a lot of tennis. So then Mark wants to know, have you made the switch from tennis to pickleball? Absolutely not. I still got legs, man. I'm I'm playing tennis till I I don't know seventy five, eighty, and then maybe I'll think about pickleball. That away, John. That's what I like to hear. 
That's the, see, he's an athlete, David. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not just, playing I recreational table tennis. Pickle, I just offended all the pickleball players. You did. So, hey, it, it, it resurrected the racket sport, though, so it's, uh, it's popular, and I have played it. Um, it is fun, so it's all good. All right. We made a series of questions here. We'll, we'll fire them at you. So they name you referee of the Super Bowl. Is it different than when you're refing week six? Is it different than when you're doing a divisional round game? What's different in terms of when they fly you in, your preparation, the rules, the guidelines? Is it different? In the world of officiating, it's the greatest two weeks of your life. And I had the pleasure of doing it three times. But, you know, seven, eight, nine days ago, seven officials – got a phone call from New York that their body of work for 2023 qualified them for the Super Bowl. And it is, uh, I mean, you, you sit there and you, you cry. I can tell you each time I had that phone call, um, it took time just to, just to regroup after you hang up because that's what you work for. I mean, I I officiated for more than four decades, three sports. I suppose if I had to go back and calculate it, it's 50, 60, 70 events for 40 years each year. And I only got to do it three times. And it, it, it carries every emotion that you can name from excitement, thrill, the sacrifice, sacrifices your family made year after year, and and it is just a fabulous two weeks. Today, Thursday, uh, there's the, the crew is departing. They're departing their hometowns. They're, they're headed to the event, and they will begin preparation tomorrow. I mean, you have uh, every day you have a meeting at least for an hour and a half, two hours with the crew breaking down film, breaking down formations, tendencies, players. It's nonstop once you get there. Um, and it, as, as all those emotions start to carry, uh, then, you, then you get to that Sunday, and it, you're, you, got a, you got the other side. You got fear. You know you're going to get challenged. You got 100 million people watching you, 40-plus cameras. Everybody wants it to be perfect. There, there is a lot on that plate, and eventually the game does find rhythm. It takes probably 20, 30 snaps, and then, ironically, it just becomes a game because it's what you've done over and over and over again. And then they become numbers and play by play by play, six seconds at a crack, 153 plays in a game. That's what you're, that's what you're going to get through. When you're prepping, is it harder to prepare for a team like a San Francisco? You mentioned formations. They have so many different formations. They're they're doing so much motion. Is that team harder to prepare for when you're getting ready for a game, John? Yeah, I think both of these two teams are extremely difficult uh, with the motions, the sets, the RPO, two great offensive minds. Uh, these guys are going to be challenged for three hours, maybe like no other Super Bowl. Because the game has has changed so much, as you guys were alluding to uh, a little while back in the show, um, these are two tough teams to work, and they got their hands full 
And they will spend probably over the next three days, I would guess, looking at 120, 130 plays from from the two teams. So they're they're loaded for bear come 6 o'clock Sunday. Do the coaches and players work you more in a Super Bowl or less? Are they just, you know, just – I got to worry about the game. I, you know, I have to, I'm not working, John, trying to get a call. Or are they on you more in a Super Bowl? Uh, 90 minutes before the game, they'll have a meeting with the referee, and both of those coaches will walk through what they're concerned about. You know, San Francisco does this, they have a tendency to do that. They did this seven times. It was never called. You hear all that stuff. But I can tell you, at six o'clock, it's a cerebral night for those two people. Um, it's the next play. Where are we at? What do I need to do? What's the next play? Um, once that gets settled, they're focused on the teams and what they need to do. So I, I would say once that game starts, the answer to that is no. Prior to that game, when there is time, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to work you, no doubt about it. That's part of the fun. How difficult is it for these all-star crews, as, as opposed to the crew you're working with all year when they start mixing this up? Is it How much more difficult is that for the officials? It is difficult because you haven't worked with any of these guys. Actually, actually, there's two people that have worked together throughout the year, Vinovich and Perlman, um, and they're two of the best, by the way. I mean, the, the league had a tough year. Let, let's just put that out there. But the one thing they got right is putting Bill Vinovich on this game. He's the best referee in the National Football League. But everybody goes into this game, and, and they think they're going to be comfortable. They think they've got it already figured out, ready to roll. And when those nerves hit, I've seen 25-, 30-year veterans that are antsy, uptight, and you got to go over there and settle them down, relax, find your rhythm. And then you get the guy that maybe has got seven, eight, nine years under his belt, and for whatever reason, he, he finds the rhythm and the comfort early. So everybody reacts different once that ball is put on the tee and the game begins. The first game, because you said, and we're talking with John Perry, the Monday Night Football Rules analyst, uh, an official in the NFL for nearly 20 years, and officiated three Super Bowls, two times the referee. When, and once, I believe, as a side judge, the two games that you were the referee, Super Bowl 46 in Indy, Giants-Patriots, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, uh, Patriots and Rams. I'm curious, first time you go on the mic, all right, (laughs) Were you nervous? Were you scared? Did you have trouble spitting it out? <laughs> well, that's a really long story, but it, uh, Super Bowl Forty Six, my first Super Bowl as a referee, and you you alluded to it earlier, I'm a Hoosier. The game was in Indianapolis. I lived in that city for 12 years. My father officiated all through that area for three or four decades. Uh I can honestly tell you, prior to the coin toss, standing on the sideline, waiting for TV and the people to tell you, okay, head out to the 50-yard line and do the coin toss, I had no saliva. I couldn't swallow, couldn't speak. I grabbed a gal. I said, I, I have no saliva in my mouth. And she quickly responded, went down and found a lozenger of some sort she said here chew on this while you run out there and thankfully i did find a way to swallow and and could communicate but uh yeah it, it's 
it's a feeling that's almost indescribable because you are so nervous, and especially for that moment. That's the toughest part of the night. You go through the 57 previous Super Bowls, it's hard to come across a coin toss that doesn't have an issue. You got honorary people, you got captains. They walk through it actually pretending Friday and Saturday, but somebody will have an issue. Uh, we've had coin tosses where the coin was flipped and nobody had called anything yet. Um, so it's that moment leading up to that. Ooh, you're you're glad when it's over. I can tell you that much. How did you? You kept talking about finding your rhythm. How did you find your rhythm in games then? With with all that going on, how do you then find your rhythm to start the game? Well, it starts right when you walk out. Prior to walking out to uh, to the field, and you have about 20 minutes with all of the pump and circumstance. So the what the last thing you tell a crew is a crew chief. You say, listen, in 20 minutes, they're going to put a ball in a tee. They're going to kick this football, and we have 160 plays we have to officiate. Within the first 10 to 12, let's find our rhythm. Let's find our communication. How will we work in the next two hours and 55 minutes? That's going to be determined in the first five minutes. Be aware of it. Communicate with your partner. Talk to your partner. Settle them down. Eye contact. Hand signals. And, of course, the officials have what we call the O2O, official to official. So you can actually press a button on the side of your hip, and you can communicate to anybody you want to on the field. And so as a crew chief, you're looking around. You're looking at body language. Are they moving like they should? Are they? And most of these people, of course, we've, we've known each other, but maybe we have or have not worked together. But you can tell immediately he's, he's nervous. They might go over there or get on the O2O and give him some encouragement. Hey, take a breath, relax. We're all good here. Um, and it, and you do find it. Um, some games take a little bit longer. This game will take at least 20 snaps, I would guess. They call less penalties in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. Is that intentional? Is that by design? Do you willingly, knowingly allow a little more to go? Or, quite frankly, do the better teams clean up their act? I think the last part is key. These are the two best teams in the league. They are going to commit less fouls. Um, they, They can't afford the yardage. It becomes a field position game. So they are more disciplined. Uh, they know it's it's winner go home, uh, but in the in the game the the reality is yes we they do call less no matter what anybody wants to say that you as uh, you go into the game saying look when we're going to insert ourselves with a flag we can't be wrong you you cannot be wrong don't guess make it big make it jump don't look for issues. Officiate in your area, officiate your keys. And what, what that end result is, especially with the crew chief, Bill Vinovich, who historically is on a very low end as far as crews of throwing flags, I would anticipate you're right, David, that, that you know, if we get to 10 or 12, uh, I think that's about where it's going to be. 
John, thanks for making time for us. All right, really appreciate it. A final question. Both Super Bowls that you did were very close games in the fourth quarter. Did you feel that pressure like players sometimes do? Or by then, was it just a game? No, it builds. And as you get in that fourth quarter and you know it's maybe a a field goal game, a one-possession game, a one-score game, everything continues to tighten up. And you know you can't make a mistake. That's the period. can't happen. So you do feel it. Yeah, absolutely. John Perry, he's the rules analyst for ABC ESPN's Monday Night Football, 20 years, an NFL official. Three times he worked the Super Bowl. Twice he was the referee, including just five years ago in this game. All right, hit him straight. Good luck in your tennis. <laughs> okay, if you're fishing, catch things, and uh, we'll, we'll hit you up during the offseason, I promise. I'm going to play pickleball. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Take it easy, big fella. All right, have a great one, guys. Thanks, John. John Perry. Monday Night Football. Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis. He did the second Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. And then uh, his last game was Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Uh, Brady and the Patriots' last Super Bowl win over uh, Sean McVay and the Rams. So, and then he went uh, straight into the booth three months later. He signed with Monday Night Football. He's been doing it now uh, five years. Excellent interview. Great insight on what it takes to prepare for the biggest game in all of American sports. And I love that he reckoned, you know, that he says the pressure builds. We know it out there. The human think element about, of being a referee is is there. Think about those two games. The one game I think was 3-3 going to the fourth, the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl, and then uh, the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl had two lead changes in the fourth quarter, including one in the final minute. Miller and Moulton. Bryant McKinney, he played in this game. He won it. We'll talk to him next hour. Thanks so much for listening. Florida Sports Network. 